When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot a radiophonic novella locatora radio hosted by mala muñoz and dios fm hola hola locamores welcome back to locatora radio welcome back welcome back this is mala and this is Diosa. A look at what our radio is a radiophonic novella, archiving the brilliance and legacies of women and femmes of color. We are Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit. Las Locatoras of Locatora Radio. A radiophonic novella. Which is just a really extra way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast! Thank you so much for tuning in to Capitulo 6969. We're so excited to be recording again. We're always excited to record. Always. Saturday is just always a beautiful day. You know, we're going to record. The outfits are cute. Yep. 
cute guests. We have cute a cute guest today. Very cute guest. A really cute guest. Espacio is very cute. We record out of Radio Espacio in Espacio 1839. Boyle Heights is super cute. Don't come gentrify it, but no. shout out BH. Yes. Shout out BH. Admire it from a distance. Do not move in. <laughs> exactly. And you know, as folks who we ourselves are not from Boyle Heights, we like to be respectful. Yeah. We come, we record, we love the community. We do what we can. We try to put our money here when we're here mm-hmm. by like, you know, patroning the local businesses. Yes. Pa- patronizing. patronizing. Patron. Whatever. We like to throw we our like dollars to throw our money. In, in the streets of Boyle Heights. Yes. And then go home. Exactly. Exactly. To our own communities. Exactly. <laughs> like, what is, what are languages today? I'm so confused. Language is a social construct. It really is. Just like time. Sometimes my brain wants to speak in Spanish but I'm speaking English and then vice versa. Right. And I get very confused and stressed out sometimes. That's real. Sometimes my brain wants to speak Spanish, but I'm a pocha, so I can't. <laughs> so you can't. <laughs> but you can. I, but you actually can is a thing. The thing is, my Spanish is really pretty good. Like, it's not it's that It's pretty bad. good. Mala, like, this pocha thing is a front, okay? <laughs> this is a fake persona. She calls herself a pocha, but then I see her have a full-on conversation with my dad. And I'm like, okay. I can communicate, but everybody can tell. You know what I mean? It's fine. It's all good. Anywho, <laughs> let me live my fake pocha fantasy. No, you're actually a pocha, and it's okay. I'm not going to take that identity from you. No, but you I can't. do want to say that your Spanish is really good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I know that, like, folks that, like, you know, um, maybe Spanish wasn't their first language, or mm-hmm. maybe they feel a little insecure, self-conscious speaking it. And, like, that's, that's like... It's almost like the self-fulfilling part because then you don't speak it so then it doesn't get better because it really is a muscle memory, like practice. Oh, yeah. But then you're nervous so then you don't practice and then it's just a cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway. Anywho. So we're back. We're recording. Um, and as always, we want to remind you all of our lovely, beautiful collaborations that we have with a yes. number of Latina-owned businesses. Yes. We have some really great brand partnerships, sponsorships. Uh, as always, we continue to have our sponsored, our collaboration with Bloomy. You can use our code LOCATORA10 to get 10% off of your sexual health and wellness products. They have been sending us some really great items the past couple months, and we just continue to rave about them, continue to love them. Oh, yeah. I'm just living for the fact that I've just, like, I'm starting to have, like, a vibrator collection. Yeah. And I love it because I've never been a collector of things. Right. But I'm down to have a collection of vibrators. You know, I just feel like I've really leveled up because I've had a couple dildos in mm-hmm. my life, like mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. And now I have a rose quartz dildo. Beautiful. And I'm just like, can it get any better than this? It's very Latinx 2019. Honestly. To yes, have a it rose is. quartz dildo. I mean, Latina, <laughs> Latina 2019 looks, uh, aesthetics. It's so funny. I love yes. it. 20 years from now, there's going to be some kind of a mood board or yeah. something. Right. The, the holographic Pinterest of the future. Right. And this is going to be right. like, oh, 2019 Latinx looks. Yes. <laughs> rose quartz dildo. Rose quartz dildo. Podcast. Rose quartz rings. Podcast. Fashion Nova attire. Fashion Nova high-waisted jeans. The acrylic. All of it. Yes. Love it. Love it. Okay. So you can check out and get your own Rose Quartz dildo at the Bloomy or your own vibrator and other yes. products that they have, such as um, intimate care products, mm-hmm. they have condoms, mm-hmm. lubricants, tampons, pads, all of the goodies that you want to use. They sent me this really great, like, very gentle, like, 
oil. The Lady Sweet Oil? Yes. I love that one. Because, and especially, so for those of you who um, maybe if you wax or you get sugared or even if you shave down there, I have found that for any, whatever the hair removal process, like using the oils down there is has just been really great. Yeah. You know, very mm-hmm. gentle. Because you can buy like um, oils, like if you at your waxing place, you know, to like prevent ingrowns. I feel like this does the same. Yeah. The same job. Yes. I love it. That's a really good oil. It feels really great. It feels great. Yeah. Um, our next Latina owned business that we have a beautiful collabor- collaboration with is Vive Cosmetics. You know, they make all the Beso Proof lippies. I'm currently wearing Corazon. Beautiful. I Looks love great. it. It's a, one of their... Uh, Cremosa matte lipsticks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. Thank you. So, uh, Loca Amores, get your Vive Cosmetic products at 15% off your order. The code is Loca Amores. So, once again, check out Vive Cosmetics with the code Loca Amores for 15% off your order. Yes. And remember to donate to us if you have any extra funds in your account. Mm-hmm. Um, get your man to donate to us. Yes. Actually, I would prefer daddy. it if you find a man to donate yeah, to us. I agree. Um, that would actually be a really great way to finesse someone at a bar. I love that. We should probably just go out and do that now. Yes. That should be a social experiment that we do. How many men at the bar can we get to donate to our podcast? That's actually really great. It's a different kind of crowdfunding. I think that we should do that. And I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. So you can Venmo us at Locatora-Radio. If you yes. recall, our last capitulo, we shared a hot mess of a story <laughs> with y'all when we were in Chicago. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. That may happen again. It will probably happen again in the future. I hope we're never that broke again, but let's be honest, we probably will be that broke again. But maybe let's put it out there that it won't happen again. Yeah. But life happens. Life happens. And no matter what, this is the thing is like when you're resourceful, you can finesse whatever. Zero dollars in my bank account, bet we're still going to have a great day. (laughs) Right, right. You know, sometimes when I'm really broke, I like to think like, you know what? And I'm stressed about it. I like to think like, you know what? I've done a lot more with a lot less. Oh, sure. You Hell know, yeah. and that kind of just keeps me grounded. Like, okay, I, I'm going to get through this. I have, I ha- I'm, I'm good. It's going to be fine. This. It's going to be fine. And the funny thing too is like with all the different apps. So like you could have like your Venmo and a, and a little bit of a balance there. Right. Right. Or if you have different savings apps and maybe a little bit of a balance there, I, I, I just feel like there's these little money apps and then yeah. or if you have a PayPal, you forget you have little pockets of money mm-hmm. and that's happened with me. Yeah. It's like finding 20 bucks in your literally in your your literal jeans only it's digital it's, it's digital app. like oh i did i have 20 whole dollars yeah i could do anything yeah you know mal and i have been talking about how like when it comes to money it's almost like you don't you can't see it yeah so i don't have like a well i do have a savings account but i have i also use an application mm-hmm. that will take money and just save it for me and i don't have to look at it sure um and that is one thing that i have used and been able to save it's and not stuff. touch it yeah no it's helpful it's hard to save money yeah um, but yeah, anyways, so hit the Venmo, look at Dora Dash Radio. Thank you to those who did donate after hearing that story. Yeah. Um, it might be a little loud in here because there's a book reading going yes. on. Yes. Um, we're really happy about this book reading going on, but just FYI. Yeah. And uh, just a little reminder to like, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, listen on Spotify, and Audio Boom. Visit our website, locatoraradio.com, and follow us on Twitter and IG at locatora underscore radio. Yes. Love us out loud, y'all, because the algorithm is fucking with us. I was shadow banned, bitches. And a, listen, a like listener DM'd me to tell me. That same DM, that same listener DM'd me too. 
Um, I checked my DMs later that day and I saw that. Yeah. It was very interesting. Well, we're going to get into that right now, yes. right? So yes. we're going to get into our segment of Oye Locas. And y'all know that this is one of our favorite segments. Honestly. It's always a good time. Listen, y'all, like we want, I posted a little rant yeah. about this on my story recently. We are a femme-centered podcast, survivor-centered. We really only have femmes, queer folks, women on this podcast as far as interviews go. Like we really don't step outside of that. We have never had a cishet man on this podcast. We no, have never. Never. Neither as a guest. Um, no, we just haven't. Like no. they're just not our demographic. You know what I mean? Outside of the project, though, like, you know, men are people, too. Like, we recognize that. Like, I would like to be able to support and big up Latinos and men of color who are doing cool things in the world. But we try. We'll try and put our support behind someone. And, you know, the Internet is quick. And then right away, someone lets us know, oh, actually, this Latino has allegations of sexual assault rape of minors that 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 so we have to pull back so these are the questions we have to ask ourselves yeah. it's like you know the 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 investment it's a risky investment yes. right like the ROI is you know pretty low because it turns out that these men have some type of skeleton in their closets right they're actually abusers they're perpetrators they're you know it's just it's a mess it's a mess. It's a mess. And it's just like why we don't necessarily align ourselves with any men publicly. Because then what happens? Or even just, you know, behind closed doors. Or like, behind closed doors. Even in our private lives. We do not align with men. No. No. I'm, I'm like, I don't even align with my father. Like, <laughs> right. Love right, you, papi, right, 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 but right. come on. like. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's honestly safer and wiser and I think a better business and community cultivation practice to align ourselves with women, 100%. femmes, queer folks. It's the only, it's the only way. Yeah. I mean, and that isn't to say that like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Women can be abusive too. Sure. We know absolutely, that. And absolutely. Same, same with queer folks. Like definitely. However, the biggest perpetrators tend to be cis hetero men yep time and time again of any type of abuse any type of predatorial behavior violence violence rates of homicide yeah so before anyone is like well (laughs) don't no don't don't. even don't even you know that we recognize that don't even don't start (laughs) don't do it don't start with us yeah so yeah and anyways they also don't need our little platform like no like we've talked about uh, women of color, we have a hard time getting written about. We have a hard time getting press. Men do not have the same difficulties. Yeah, there are plenty of Latinx journal Latino journalists. journalists. Have they ever hit us up or emailed no. us? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So if that's you listening, fucking send us an email. Send us okay. an email. Send us an email. <laughs> Once again, we will we will discuss the fact that only women of color have written about us. Only women of color journalists have written about us. Our interview guest who's coming up next has more to talk about with that regard, yeah. with press and journalism and women of color getting um, write-ups or not. Mm-hmm. And so this is another reason why we focus on women of color is because men just have far more access in the journalism space. Yeah. In, and in media coverage they don't need our little fucking platform to get their project off the ground so that's also to say if you are a straight man and you've been dming us your work don't because <laughs> we're not going to look at it we're not going to bring you on the podcast this is not for you no like you know there's plenty of other podcasts and you know collective spaces for y'all to be featured in yeah. and this is just not the one this is not it you know go literally anywhere else yeah literally yeah yeah okay anyway so 
going back to Oye Loca. Oh, yes, the question. Right. So the question is, um, what books are you currently reading? Yes. So um, thank you for this question. So right now, I've been reading um, Chula. Okay. By Amanda Alcantara. Yes. And Amanda Alcantara is a journalist. Yes. One of the women of color journalists, right, yeah. who's out here doing the damn thing. Yeah. And Amanda um, writes and reports for... Um, Futuro Media. Futuro Me- Media with Maria Hinojosa. Mm-hmm. And Amanda um, published this book, Chula, and she sent us a couple copies. Yeah. So I read it and I loved it. And what I really loved about Amanda's book, Chula, is the way that she weaves in her Dominican Spanish yeah. into all of the poetry mm-hmm. and the prose and the memoir. Yeah. And it really gives it um, just a really different energy when you're reading it, mm-hmm. when you're walking through it, um, the way that she lays out visuals and she she describes things. Yeah. It really is very beautiful. So I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I've um, picked it up and I haven't finished it, but I do like how she also incorporates like music mm-hmm. to it. And mm-hmm. like it, you can definitely like feel it, even though you're reading it. It's like you can, om- I don't know, you can definitely just feel like some the presence of the music and yeah. the culture within the store, within the poems. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I also like the way similarly how she jumps between English and Spanish And English and Dominican Spanish specifically, she also, her upbringing, which she details in the book, is one of jumping between the United States and DR. Yeah. Right. So like having this experience, having lived in both places Mm -hmm. um, and back and forth, back and forth and her mother being back and forth. And I think that's interesting as far as like identity development and Mm -hmm. culture and making friends and community. She talks a lot about like. Um, first love and first lust and her first time and things like that. Uh, this is a survivor centered podcast and Amanda in Chula also talks about like some stalking that she's experienced, Mm. right. And going into detail about that and how that affected her. So I just really appreciated the body of work. Um, I thought it was really beautifully done and we want to thank Amanda for sending Chula to us to read. Yes, thank you so much, Amanda, for sending those copies over. We love to support women of color artists, mm-hmm. poets, writers, all of the sorts, you know. Um, and yeah, it's just really amazing to see all of the work that women are out here doing. Um, and, you know, especially I really like to see work by Latinas. Well, I like to see all work by Latinas, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I can enjoy as like, a Latina living in LA, right. like reading the work of Latinas on the East Coast of the of Caribbean descent. You know, I just think it's it's also such an important narrative to have within the conversations oh, that yeah. we may not have direct access to. Oh, not yeah. that Caribbeans aren't out here, but just thinking about the communities that I'm in, like on my Peruvian side and maybe on the Mexican Chicano side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So being able to ha- see read a different type of narrative. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. And I think also too, like. You know, um, Dominicans in the United States have just been really making their presence known yep. and their impact. And whether it's Dominicans who are on the East Coast or Dominicans out here in L.A., totally. like, you know, Dominicanas and Dominicanos are really like pushing culture. They really are. And pushing things forward. I mean, I think of like, obviously, there's uh, the Kid Marrow. Uh-huh. Who's just fucking killing the game. Of course. We got Julissa. Julissa Calderon. Dasha Polanco. Dasha Polanco. There's plenty more. There's plenty more. I mean, mm-hmm. Amanda. Amanda. You know, of course, Bad Dominicana, mm-hmm. Saira Kelly. Yeah. Um, Melania. Yes. Uh, Luisa. 
Marte, yes. who is a poet as yes. well, yes. who's yes. Um, a, a poet and friends with Jessica Salgado. And I don't know, there's just so many. Uh, yeah. D-Nasty. I was going to say Claudia, she runs the Mami Chula Social Club in New York. Very cool. Very Like just so many like dope Dominicanas in the game. Really like as you're saying, creating culture, just mm-hmm. making moves. And yeah, it's just super cool to see. Very cool to see. So keep it up. We love it. We support. Yeah. We support. Um, and All that to say, if you are an artist or a creator and you're a woman of color, you're a femme of color, and you're interested in maybe having your work discussed or reviewed on Locatora, you know, DM us, email us, hola at locatoraradio.com. Yeah, email Email us. us. Hola at locatoraradio.com and we'll see what's up and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the books that I just finished reading is, you know, Sabrina and Corina. So I'm really excited that we actually get to interview the author today for the second half of the interview. Um, This book kind of just fell into my lap via social media because I was just looking for something to read and I had just ordered Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, another Dominicana. Yeah. And I was just looking for something. I wanted to read something fiction. Short fiction is actually one of like my first loves when it comes to literature. And I wanted to read something by a Latina author. And I just saw a couple people. I think Jessica, for example, shared this book and that's just really how I came across it and just completely was enamored by her work so definitely recommend that book I've shared it on my Instagram a couple times and I mean we're gonna get to interview the author right now super exciting yeah super exciting so it just so happens um, that the author of uh, you know Sabrina and Corina is here in Boyle Heights doing a book reading and a signing at Espacio 1839. She's actually like doing it right now as we record. As we record. <laughs> so we're going to bring her on um, to talk about her process and her work and her origins and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I think we have one final question and it's about Instagram. Mm-hmm. And what do we think about the recent changes in Instagram? What does being shadow banned mean? And how are we dealing with the algorithm? Yeah, so we've noticed, and I think other of our friends who have run accounts, small businesses, projects, or creatives have also noticed like really low engagement across platforms. Yeah. Um, but especially on Instagram, really low engagement. And I think there's multiple things happening. So I think on the one hand, like I think every platform has its heyday and yeah. then a decline. Mm-hmm. And I think Instagram has now been around for long enough. Yep. And has been impactful enough that we could maybe be just seeing that decline in the platform itself. Yep. A Facebook effect, a Mm -hmm. MySpace effect. It happens. It happens. That's one thing. Yeah. The other piece is they are constantly making changes like to the algorithm Mm -hmm. and what pushes the content onto someone's timeline or discover page. It's changing. It's changing. It's changing. Um, And I think it's just... I think we're going to step into an era of Instagram and Facebook because they're owned by the same... Mm-hmm. If Facebook owns Instagram, mm-hmm. right? I think what we're going to see is just a lot more paid content. So it's going to be more difficult for indie creators to really put their stuff out there because they're going to have to, or to get a lot of traction with their posts because they're going to have to start paying for ads, yeah. which is not feasible for indie creators. You know, no. we just did our first actual, in the three years, we've never done a paid ad. We did our pay, a paid ad for the brunch that we're hosting just to kind of test it out and be like, does this even work? Is this an investment? I didn't actually see any significant difference in traction. Mm. It did. I did see from the analytics that it did reach a lot of people that cool. weren't necessarily following us, but that doesn't necessarily translate to ticket sales. No. You know, because 
I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like, I don't know if I'm going to go to a brunch for folks that I don't know. For some random bitches I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the the community that comes out are are y'all, are our listeners, and y'all bring your people that become Mm -hmm. new listeners. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that necessarily works for us, Yeah. but we tested it out just to see it, and I don't think it really made a difference. Neither do I. Um, I think that part of the reason why the project has worked is because like we've talked about, but our base, our demographic is mostly Latinas, women of color in general. And the way that we find out about things is by word of mouth and by telling each other. Yeah. So somebody told somebody, check out, check this out, brought them in, invited them into the space. And now we're community. Yeah. So the ads has just never been really part of our business model. It really hasn't been. marketing strategy at all. No, no. So I just, yeah, it's, I don't know if sad is the right word. It's more disappointing to see that it's going to become even more, or it is already becoming more difficult for indie creators to get their stuff out there. But I think it's also a really important reminder that we can't use just one platform Mm -mm. that we don't actually even own to like get our followers, to get our community. Like it's just, I think just shows us that we really need to own whatever it is that we're creating Mm -hmm. and where we're putting it. Yeah. You know, so I think like, our website isn't really fully, um, it's not fully complete. Like our website is just, it's up and running. Yeah. You can like get like the basics of like where to catch our next event, where to listen to our latest capitulo, but it's definitely not done. No. You know, so I just think it's an important reminder that like wherever you're going to have your content live, like make sure that it's somewhere that you own it. What If that's a website, yeah. a newsletter, whatever that may be, because at the end of the day, like we don't own Instagram. No, digital real estate is a real thing. Digital real estate is a real thing. And it's like right now we're like renting or borrowing our space on IG. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was only going to be free for so long yeah, because n- nothing is truly free. No. And then I think it like they saw like the impact, mm-hmm. like the Insta- Instagram and Facebook, like saw the impact and like, oh, we can actually be making money off of this free account. Yep. Because, yeah, sure, it's free to have an account, but now to actually get traction with your with your posts, with your feed, like, well, you're going to have to pay an ad. Yeah. And I, um, you know, so on the topic of shadow banning, right. Right. So I got a DM. Um, so we each got DMS Mm -hmm. and from a a follower, a listener who's been supporting us for a few years now Mm -hmm. and who's just kind of been around. And, uh, he said, you know, I haven't been seeing your post on my feed. I think you've been shadow banned. So I screenshot that DM and I sent it to Diosa. And we're like, what the fuck is shadow banning? So Diosa does a search for like a definition. Yeah. What is shadow banning? Let me pull that up. Um, well, also, you know, it, it, it became kind of apparent what was going on because yesterday as well, I saw jo- Joanna from the Unapologetically Brown Girl <laughs> or Unapologetically Unapolog- Street series. Yeah. She... Um, shared something about that and it says creatives don't let algorithms discourage you from creating and sharing your purpose your work your reach is bigger than instagram it's in the folks you've touched and the incredible gift within you that continues to grow and deserves to be made absolutely and and then the caption is uh instagram is playing everybody shadow banning accounts deleting accounts specifically poc centered accounts 
Right. So this is a thing, right? Because multiple people are noticing. Yeah. Um, a listener like DMs us to tell us about mm. it. I've had other friends tell me, oh, I didn't even know this event was going on. I haven't seen your yeah. stuff on my timeline at all. So it says Instagram shadow ban is a ban that renders your hashtags undiscoverable by the vibrant users. Only your followers will be able to see your feed and not the entire Instagram community. It's easy to know if you've been shadow banned. Search your posts under the tags and see if they appear. So I did so that. Mala did. I went and I searched hashtag Locatora Radio. <laughs> Our hashtag. Our hashtag. So I go to search it and I see that the top posts, mm-hmm. that the top posts under the hashtag were not from the Locatora account. Like the first three. Interesting. Our posts at like Julissa's when she posted our flyer flyer hers was the first one that oh, came wow. up wow and she has a big account and that yeah and even though like that flyer was posted a while ago now interesting but this week when i checked hers was the first and i had a recent post my most recent post is from uh cat dahlia's interview and i had hashtag locatora radio mm-hmm. so i checked the hashtag locatora radio my post is not up there interesting so i'm like yeah a bitch has been shadow banned. Fuck. And like, I don't know how it happens or what, yeah, how, how do you pick? get swept up in, yeah. into it? All this to say, if you are creating, if you're using Instagram, don't keep all your shit on there. Buy yourself a website, start a Google Slides, like start to archive your stuff elsewhere and let people know where else they can find you. Yeah. We're really lucky because we do have like, we have Apple Podcasts, we have Audio Boom. like our content, the actual podcast is not located on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's just where we share about the podcast yeah. and, and we've cultivated community there. So, you know, just thinking about your own work, like how can can you decentralize it from yeah, IG definitely. if necessary? Yeah. Alrighty. So we're going to move into a quick shout out from our sponsors. If you can hear it getting a little loud, that's Yosimar. Reyes talking in the background. He's uh, introducing Kali because she does have a book signing right now. Yes. So we are going to move on to a word from our sponsors. You scroll down. It should be there. It's not there. Oh, this is Where for did therapy. It go? Yeah. Okay, so we wanted to shout out one of our sponsors, Therapy for Latinx. She is a online database making it easy to find a Latinx therapist, mental health advocate, or counselor mm-hmm. in your area. And you know, we're all about the mental health glow up, glow up in every way. And we really think it's really a valuable resource to have a Latinx centered directory for mental health. So make sure you check out the registry. Yes. And find a therapist near you. Yeah, definitely. You know, having a a therapist that you can culturally relate with and understand is really important. So definitely check out Therapy for Latinx. Yes. So we are going to move into a song break. We want to introduce our guest. Oh, yes. Our interview guest before we get into our song break, because we do have a really exciting author with us today. Yes. So we have the author, Kali Fajardo Anstein, and she is from Denver, Colorado. Her fiction has appeared in The American Scholar, Boston Review, Bellevue Literary Review, The Idaho Review, Southwestern American Literature, and elsewhere. She is going to be talking about her new book, Sabrina and Karina. So uh, Callie's magnetic story collection breathes life into her indigenous Latina characters and the land they inhabit. Set against the remarkable backdrop of Denver, Colorado, a place that is as fierce as it is exquisite, these women navigate the land the way they navigate their lives, with caution, grace, and quiet force. So we're going to bring Callie on. Orcasteras peligrosas. 
right, and we are back. We are so excited to be welcoming Kali into the studio today. Hi. 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 Thank you for joining us. Can you please just give our listeners a quick intro for those of our listeners who maybe um, are new to your work? Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So my name is Kali Fajardo Anstein, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. I am the author of the debut short story collection, Sabrina and Karina, that was just published in April from One World Penguin Random House. Um, I have been writing stories since I was a child. I've always wanted to be a writer. And um, yeah, I'm just so excited to have my first book in the world. And I also have a novel that will be published soon from One World, um, probably in the next year or two. That is amazing. I am a big fan of your work. Recently finished Sabrina and Karina and just immediately fell in love. And you're actually here today for a book signing, correct? And a reading? Yeah, I am, I'm so excited. So it's kind of funny. Um, back in like, I don't know, I was like 15 or 16 years old. I had a friend on MySpace that now is my friend on Instagram that's like followed me throughout my my social media life, but he was like, you have to get into this place called Espacio. So I started like looking into Espacio a long time ago. So it's just sort of like coincidental and blissful that I get to be here and give a reading today. I'm really excited. I love that. And I love how full circle that is because we talk about our social media usage all the time and like meeting each other on Instagram and meeting other creatives online and how like it just brings great minds together. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and Yosimad is actually the one that organized all of this, correct? Yes. Is that your friend or is that just no, someone else? No, I, okay. I mean, he's my friend now well, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. internet. Of course. <laughs> so, so two people really like kind of orchestrated yeah. this in a way, right? Yeah, and a lot of what I've seen, Sabrina and Karina um, like being posted online and things, it's just a lot of the the push behind this book has come from the bottom up instead Mm -hmm. of like coming from huge media outlets telling people what to like I'm seeing it on social media and I think that's where that's where it lives and that's where I'm happy to live too yeah I mean we can definitely relate to that to like the community really pushing you and pushing your work forward and um, a lot of stuff or a lot of our art a lot of our work is shared via word of mouth Mm -hmm. so even the poster is somewhat like a digital word of mouth right people sharing it posting it and then other people looking into it, following it, loving it, sharing it again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm really interested in hearing more from you about like the role that that sort of model you described pushing from the bottom, how that role enmeshed with social media and the internet has gotten you to where you are today in the process. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So in the literary world, I haven't had like the big publications like the New Yorker, the Atlantic. I've had really good publications, but I haven't had like the giant magazines. And a lot of the time the hype will come from New York City as the center and then trickle down from there. Um, and there were times when I was like super depressed over this. Like, I have to quit writing. I can't get into these magazines. I can't get into this space. But what's ended up happening is I was able to get in on Random House, which is, you know, obviously like Huge. one of the biggest publishers in the world. I think it is the biggest publisher in the world. Congrats. So, by the, yeah. Oh, thank Congrats. you. That's huge. <laughs> thank you. And that was like this huge moment in my life. And I think that distribution and having all those eyes on my book really helped. But then I needed to still have that grassroots push because I still wasn't getting in these big, big magazines and these big outlets. So there were times when I was like the book had just come out. I wasn't seeing a lot of I wasn't seeing any national coverage. But what ended up happening 
our, you know, big social media influencers like the Locatoras <laughs> podcast <laughs> and Yossi Mareas. And they started pushing my book and posting it on stories. And then from that, you know, Latina actresses were starting to push my book and post it. And from there, I was just seeing sort of the spontaneous wildfire of like, we love this book. We're going to take this book under our wings. And no one told us to like it. We like it ourselves. Right. Yeah. I, before we started recording, um, we kind of started having a conversation about journalists and newsrooms. And if there are no people of color in the newsroom, no women of color in particular, are projects by women of color going to be covered? So it just seems like some, what you just shared, how many Latinas are in, at the New Yorker writing stories about Latina authors? Yeah, we we don't know. I don't, I don't, know. don't know. I don't think it's very many, but I will tell you something that's interesting that happened. So I was profiled on Bustle, and that was my mm, biggest, at the nice. time that happened, that was like my biggest coverage. It was a Latina editor there you go. who found it and pushed it. And what about for the New York Times? Because I know you were featured. Was it also a Latina writer? She was a woman of color. Okay. Yeah, she was a woman of color. And one thing I did notice about the review, which I'm very happy with it, um, it's... 1% 1% of books ever published will get in the New York Times. So I am, like, very stoked on that one. Sure. But she did not mention that my characters are Latinas. Mm. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, so I'm in these pages, but I'm still, like, we don't know what this is. You right. know? <laughs> interesting. I'm really seeing a pattern. Yeah, so, so <laughs> Such a basically our hypothesis is just proven correct. Yeah, time you know. and time again. Yeah, continuously. Um, so, you know, you have your debut novel, Your, I mean, your debut short stories, um, and I like am so enamored with the book, with all of the short stories, because you really just you're writing about women and you're writing about their stories and what, of course, what they go through. And there's almost this underlying tone of violence against women, but how it's just so normalized. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we're a survivor podcast, we are a femme centered podcast. I wanted to discuss that and what that process was like for you writing about these women, writing about these stories, but also um, still having some sense of power and being empowered through it. Yeah, definitely. So that's one of the questions I get a lot. And, you know, the truthful answer is I had to write about what I knew. And I grew up watching a lot of violence. I grew up steeped in generations of violence, hearing stories that I didn't really understand why I was being told those stories. Mm. And later I thought, okay, maybe this is some instructions for my own life or a warning or that kind of thing. Um, But being around violence makes you feel very isolated and lonely because you're not able to always go and share with somebody, especially when you're taught, don't tell anybody what's happening. Don't talk about this. Um, so I think in some ways, writing Sabrina and Karina, in a story like um, Sabrina and Karina, for example, you know, there was a woman in my, my community who had been killed when she was 15 years old. And I remember being a little girl and going to her funeral and just not having anywhere to put that pain. Like what, I couldn't talk to my family about it. It was just something I had to accept. So I think in some ways, writing this book and talking about a lot of the violence that I have witnessed in my own life and that people have told me that they have, they have come from, it healed me in some ways. And I'm hoping by being able to share these stories, it's creating healing out in the world um, larger than just me. And some of the, you know, some of the comments I've gotten is this book is too sad or why are you focusing on all this violence? And, you know, 
the, the, the basic answer that I can give is that I have to make what I have the compulsion and the obsession to make. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of a deep place and it comes from generations of pain. And this is all I, you know, hopefully my work will start to take on different tones as I grow as an artist. But this is the first one and this is what I have to share with the world. Love it. I mean, I, I wonder, too, um, because it sounds like the writing is so personal and it's come from, like, sourced over the years, if there were any family or community members who, like, had difficulties with these stories being shared on such a large scale. Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting. Because I write fiction, I'm able to have this mask over what's happening. And I actually, like, one of my cute little stories of growing up is I, I kept a diary for years and years, and my mom found it. And I was talking about, like, wanting to kill myself because a boy didn't like me. Mm-hmm. And just, like, f- emotions to me that were normal. And uh, she was so upset. Like, she was like, we're going to have to put you in therapy, all these things. And I thought, oh, if I'm going to get in trouble for talking about these real emotions, I'm going to start lying. And that's when I started writing fiction. Um, so I think in some ways people aren't able to see where I'm pulling from. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work, they're composites of my own life, um, organized in a way that serves the plot of the story. Um, So the story Sisters that's set in the 1950s, um, where a character is brutally attacked, that is based on one of my ancestors. That is based on my Auntie Dodie. She died before I was born. I never met her, but I felt her I could feel her spirit. I could feel her talking through me. But I I moved the story around. I moved the plot around. And in that way, I think I'm honoring her by sharing this violent act that happened to her. But I'm also, you know, not revealing things that I don't even know about. You know, I have to be able to create art um, from all these different these different facets in a way. Yeah, you know, and I think hearing you talk, uh, what I'm hearing is healing the ancestral trauma through the artwork, which I think is kind of the mood of all artists right now, at least artists of color, right? That's definitely, I feel, a conversation that's being had is how can we collectively heal all of this ancestral trauma through our art, through our poetry, through whatever means, you know? Yeah. It's something I didn't even know I had. You know, like it wasn't yeah. like I was like eight years old and I was like, oh, here's the story about Auntie Dodie being blinded again. That's ancestral trauma. I did not know what that was. It was just some sort of story my auntie would launch into every once in a while. And my mom has these, you know, these stories of violence that she went through that she would just launch into. And I didn't know what PTSD was. I, you know, I didn't have the vocabulary for right. it. Yeah, and I think that that's like similar, um, like in our families, where our the women in our families will tell these really share these really intense stories, and then move on to something else yeah. as if it's not intense, yeah. and if yeah. you weren't just like going through something hearing that story. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something there. There's something to at, to that. Yeah, I think um, I consider like the violence against women that, especially women of color, experience generationally that we almost. Um, come to look at it as very normal and like well these are just the social dynamics that we live with and I think it takes a lot to actually stand in it and say no actually this is fucked up yeah like let's talk about it in specific terms let's call it violence let's call it aggression let's call it abuse like let's name it for what it is right like my grandmother will just in passing under her breath like there's this story that she'll share randomly and it's not when she tells it it doesn't seem traumatizing to her But it's about how she ended up having to pistol whip some guy. You know, well, what was he doing? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. But it must have been bad, 
right? But it's very just in passing, just under her breath. And so to take things like that and then build the picture around it, right? And it sounds like that's sort of what you've done with your book. Yeah. And I love that you both were like, you know what I'm talking about, these stories. You know, like this. And I am also, I'm fascinated with storytelling. So storytelling comes up in every single story, the way that story moves between families, the way that tales are distorted. Um, In Sabrina and Karina, the grandmother character, you know, she's a pillar of strength, but she's also pushing this, um, this violence in a way by just, you know, we're going to tell a story about it now. You know, she, they say in that family, Sabrina didn't love herself enough and she loved men too much. I mean, these are actual phrases that I heard people in my family say. Right. And then they just move on. They're like, oh, yeah, well, this is what's on TV right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's definitely like the victim-blaming narrative, right? It's like, oh, she, you know, she was, era muy callejera. Mm-hmm. You know, what else, what else did we really, really see coming, you know? So um, I'm wondering if you have any anything you want to share about the journey from beginning to writing to getting it published, because there's a lot of Latina creatives who listen to our podcast. Okay. Um, you know, we're an indie project. A lot of the women in our community have like their small businesses, their poets, their writing, their actresses, they're performing. What would you like to share with with folks like that who are trying to get their work off the ground? My biggest advice is not to give up. And the reason I say this is because there were so many times I was on the brink of just like, I can't do this. I'm running out of money. Nobody will publish me. I'm being told that my my work's not good enough for these certain kinds of magazines. And there were just so many times that I felt like I have to stop. Um, and just, you know, try to find strength in yourself in, during those times and take solace in the stories of those whom you admire, those artists and creatives who have succeeded. Because very few of us get there from zero to 100. Like, we have so many stops along the way. And then it seems like you've gone really far um, in a short amount of time, but you can't see the trail leading up to that and how jagged it was. Um, so one of the stories that I've shared is that There was a time in my life where I had dropped out of my first MFA program, my first creative writing program, and I'm a high school dropout, so I already had the stigma in my family. I'm a, you know, this dropout that quits things over and over again. But the reason why I had, I had dropped out, and this is something that I just started sharing recently because a former student of mine said, why don't you tell the truth? Uh, I had been attacked by a male student in my program. I went to the administration. They said they would not remove him from my classes, and I was like, I'm going to I'm going to end my writing career here. Like this is, there's no space for me. I can't get any in anywhere else. Um, So I dropped out. I went back home to Colorado and Sandra Cisneros was reading at my college campus. And I had been so depressed over that decision to leave. And she was, she was up there giving a reading and then she stopped and she talked about how she had been so depressed at times in her career that she'd even considered suicide. And I thought if she would have done that, I wouldn't have had one of my major guiding lights. Mm -hmm. So think about yourself as like you are a guiding light. You just don't know it yet. And you are like revealing the path for so many people coming behind you. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's important because I, you know, often we see so much of the successes. We see the amazing press coverage the amazing reviews like I know Sandra Cisneros she's on the back of your book she like left a review or gave you a review so but also to hold space for the really difficult times in the creative process and throughout the the careers right yeah it's not I mean it's so up and down from day to day and then 
once your work is in the world, you have to be prepared for how the public is going to respond, which causes a whole new set of insecurities and emotions that you didn't even know you could deal with. So I think the path prepares you for what you're facing when you actually make it to where you think you need to be. And the, I mean, the path is ongoing. You never truly make it. You always have made it, but you never truly make it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, I felt that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, the whole last, like, two, three minutes, I'm like, okay, I need, I need a drink. Right, right, right. It's good, though. No, it's good. It's exciting. Like, there's always more work to be done. Mm -hmm. There's new obstacles to overcome. Um, I'm curious about, like, things like respectability politics when you go from being independent and then now, like you're saying, the work is out there. It is being covered. It is being picked up. People responding to it. How have you, have you felt a shift in how you carry yourself or how you talk? Or I'm really interested in that, that process. <laughs> this is funny. Like an old friend of mine, he, he runs a boxing gym in Denver. <laughs> he, he like DM'd me. He's like, you always look so fine now. And I was like, okay. Oh, no. I was like, get out my DMs. Uh-huh. I was like, but he, I was like, I have to go and be a public person now. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, I have to go and dress myself up and, you know, present myself. So just like, you know, that shift and like knowing that I am public, that when I give a reading, there's going to be, I hope, like 10 cell phones at least, like recording me, taking photos, and just having that awareness, but also being more mindful of what I say um, and making sure that I don't say harmful things, that I don't say things that show some of the ignorance that I grew up with that I have had to work hard to get rid of, and owning a lot of my shortcomings and just being honest about who I am. And that way, I don't come across as somebody who thinks they're better than they are or arrogant, anything like that. I just, I'm here to help other people with my work and knowing that and using that as my guide, that is what, that's what I'm trying to do and put that work into the world and put that energy into the world. That's beautiful. You have such a beautiful spirit, just like sitting across from you. Like you're just so beautiful inside and out. Thank Um, you. Since we're talking about the DMs. (laughs) Yes. I wonder. Let's do it. I wonder. Um, do you feel that people from, you already gave one example, like the men from either your hometown or you grew up are now in the DMs <laughs> slash are fans in the DMs? And like, how do you navigate that? So I, this is like a new thing for me. So for a long time, my Instagram rested like at a thousand followers and now it's like increasing exponentially. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? There's so many eyes. Um, but I try to respond. I literally try to respond to every nice note, every picture, at least with like a heart or a tap or something, just to let them know, I see you. I see you engaging with my work. Because like I said, this is coming from the bottom up. It's not coming from everybody who's like, oh, this is a New York Times bestseller. I have to get that book. So just making sure that my readers and my, my fans know that I support them and I care about them. Um, but again, I think that social media, it has become a job for me in a lot of ways. So I need to be writing a novel, you guys. Like, I have another book coming out. And so there have been times where I'm like, I can't go online today. It's going to be too much of a time suck. It's going to yeah. take away from my creative energy. And so holding sort of like office hours, like when I was a professor or a lecturer, I was not a professor. (laughs) When I was a lecturer, I would have my office hours and I kind of think of the same way, like DMs are open right now. This is when I'll respond in this window. And I did my first ask me anything on Instagram the other day. And I just set aside time that day. And this is what we're going to engage with. And this is how, you know, it's going to be. 
Very cool. I love that. I think we should borrow that idea. Office the office hours. Mm-hmm. That's when we respond to the messages and yeah. the DMs. It's a good idea. That's a great Smart. idea. Yeah, We're thanks for that. sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give credit. <laughs> um, I had another question and it just left my mind. Well, okay. I'm kind of jumping back again. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you shared the story about experiencing basically gender-based violence mm-hmm. in your program and how that affected your education, the trajectory. Yeah. And, you know, I think... This is a survivor-centered podcast. We do talk about um, sexual assault, violence against women quite often when it's relevant, right? And I think it's um, really interesting to discuss, like, the Me Too movement in all these different industries and fields. So we had a musician here the other day. We talked about the Me Too movement in the, you know, music industry. So I'm wondering if, on your end, if this is something that are people talking about this? Uh, Is there a shift in behavior? Are men behaving better? Are people afraid? Like, what is going on? Tell us. Yeah, so there definitely has been a Me Too movement in um, literature. Um, There's been some major figures who were taken down, um, like Juno Diaz, Sherman Alexie. And it's kind of interesting because the Sherman Alexie thing, it's like you still see his books everywhere. (laughs) And I think it's kind of similar with the Diaz situation. Um, What it's done, I think, on a personal level is my network now is mostly women of color. And we're able to support each other without having to outsource to men. And my editor's a woman of color. Speak on that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speak on that. My editor's a woman of color. My agent's a Jewish woman. (laughs) And I just, I feel like it's very rare. If you look at the blurbs on my book, I have one man. There is one man who blurbed me. Right. And so it kind of feels like I don't. I don't need to interact with you as much as I thought I had to in order to get to where I need to be. Nobody's asking me who I slept with to get this book published because because they can look and see, like, oh, she just slept with a bunch of women, I guess, to get this book published. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think it's just, it's created a space where there can be a lot more women supporting women, and we don't have to defer to positions of power that were traditionally held by men. Um, There was a very, there's a very famous literary journal, the Paris Review, for years and years, a lot of people had heard stories of the former editor. He was taken out by the Me Too movement. He was somebody who rejected my stories in the past. Oh. <laughs> so maybe, there maybe I, ha- I can try I was again. Say, you should definitely try again. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So just seeing that. women take on positions of power in the literary world, that's been super exciting. I don't think a book like mine would have the traction it has um, prior to Me Too. Mm. And that. I'm just, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited that women are being able to have, you know, a bigger say in literature. Yeah, it's really exciting because it's kind of like plot twist. We don't actually need men <laughs> right. to make our projects or businesses successful. Yeah. There are millions, billions of women in the world who have jobs, who are consumers, who read. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> who listen to podcasts, who right. can invest on their own. We don't need really men investing in that way. No, and I was, you know, I was reading this statistic recently about just let the power, the buying power that Latinas have just in general and mm-hmm. how when a Latina finds a product or something that she likes, she will literally share it with every Everyone. single yeah. person. You know, so going back to the word of mouth, it's like Latinas really truly like are culture shifters, influencers in their own right without having like the big Instagram blue check or you know what I mean? Right. Like really are moving the markets, whether why people want to see it or not but I think that they are paying attention now to the to the power and the influence that we have yeah one of the coolest things I have seen so a lot of my readings have been in non-traditional spaces because I don't have a budget for a tour from the publisher like I 
I fund my own tour. So it's out of the question for me to fly to Houston and just do a reading at a bookstore. It has to be a purposeful choice. Um, but something that's like been really interesting, so I've done um, community theater for Latinas where I've had a book club meeting and I did a recent book club meeting and this, this young Latina, she brought, she bought five books. It's a lot of money, okay? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. And she was like, sign, sign it to all my friends. Like all my homegirls get a book. And I'm like, Cute. what? And I, I've had like little old men come and buy one for all their daughters. I'm like, you can read it too, but. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Damn. We're really out here. Yeah. It's so exciting. It's so fucking exciting. And I'm wondering, um, so you did mention you have a novel that you're yeah. working on. Is there any teasers that you would like to share about your upcoming work? Yeah. So my so my upcoming novel is basically I took the family migration story from northern New Mexico, southern Colorado to Denver, and I fictionalized it. And I knew I wanted to tell the story since I was a little girl because, again, this was one of the stories that the elders just told over and over again, the big walk. Like, when we left the country where we were the majority and we came up to the city and it was a completely different landscape. Um, so it is a story that starts in 1890 and it looks at this sort of Genesis generation. They're Wild West performers. They're native, Mexican, and then they start mixing with Europeans. And then because of racial violence, there's sort of a fall with that generation. And then it takes a look at the next generation living in Denver in the 1930s during the Depression. Um, and I'm really excited because there's so many people, it doesn't happen very often, but a big reason I'm creating the work I'm creating is because I felt invisible my whole life. I felt like people didn't know we existed, um, people from northern New Mexico, southern Colorado that you know had this complicated ancestry. And I'm just really excited that I get to have this national, international platform to talk about my ancestors and my heritage and what I come from. Beautiful. That's amazing. So thank you so much for chatting with us today. Yeah. For folks that want to support your book... Um, that want to purchase one, that want to follow you, where can they do that? So the best way to purchase my book is to ask your independent bookstore to carry it if they don't already carry it. Most independent bookstores will do special orders. Um, you can also get it online through the traditional places, but I like to suggest bookstores. Um, I'm really active on Instagram, and it's Kali Maha, um, K-A-L-I-M-A-J-A. And you can kind of follow me on Twitter, but like I don't really like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the gram is where it's at, definitely. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another capitulo of Locatora Radio. As always, you know where to find us on Apple, on Spotify, on Audio Boom. Check us out on Instagram at Locatora underscore radio. Hit our Venmo, Locatora dash radio. <laughs> Check out the website, locatoraradio.com. You know what to do. <laughs> you know, you know what, to do. what to do. All righty, Locamores. We will catch you next time. Besitos. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.